you're going to, different people are going to thrive different ways. So just pick what works for you. That'd be like my advice for a new mom and just go with it. And if someone says you have to do it this way, it's just like, well, it doesn't work for me. I'm not doing it that way. You know, you just get through the newborn stage. However, you best get through it and your baby is going to be great. You just, you find out what works for you. And that's what makes an eighth baby or a fifth baby so much easier than a first. I didn't have my stride yet. I didn't have confidence in this is how you do things. I thought we probably were ruining her if we weren't doing it this certain way. And now I know there's, you just cannot mess it up. Like you can do it however, and you can fix those habits later and it's no problem. Now that we're a family podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on today. We just had a fun conversation over on your podcast and now you're over here and I'm excited to hear from you. So I feel like our entire audience knows you. You're one of our most requested guests, Uh, but for the five people who don't, could you introduce yourself and just say a little bit about what you do and where you're located and, you know, what your life looks like? looks like right now. Well, I'm sure there's plenty in your in your audience that don't know me. It's funny though cuz I I took my daughters with my mom and my sisters to New York City and I never saw one person there who recognized me. But then I went to this small homeschool families gathering thing and like every person there's so like, "Okay, we know my niche. We know my niche." Um, okay, so I have a podcast called Simple Farmhouse Life where I share kind of the same thing, but an audio form that I also share on my blog and my YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone, which is from scratch food. After the pandemic, I was pretty much, I got known for sourdough at this point. Um, But I also do DIY, uh, lots of like family recipes. I really honed in on the food thing, but I also do like sewing. I'm a homeschool mom to seven kids and we are going to be expecting our eighth in July. Wow, that is crazy. That's a great rundown of all the things, <laughs> a very simplified version of all the things that you do. And you're pregnant with your eighth. We're due the same month. How yeah. are you just feeling? I actually have really easy pregnancies uh, relative to what I have heard other people talk about. So I'm doing fine. I actually, I have the early you know, tiredness and morning sickness, nothing too bad. I might throw up a couple times and, you know, you just feel nauseated the whole first trimester. After that though, I really am always fine, like all the way to the end. So I know that that's unusual. I just don't, I just don't know. I don't really have anything to complain with it. Well, it sounds like you just, you just don't complain because I don't know. I truly don't have any discomforts. Cause like I have some sisters who One of them's pregnant now. One has six kids and I know them and I know that they're not complainers. They're, you know, they're just not that type. And they both get this incredible rib pain. And it's, what's funny is our legs all hit at the same spot, but I'm two inches taller. So I have this extra long relative to my body waist. And I think it truly does make things a lot easier. I don't have like the They say, if they sit, they have to do this. They can't go in cars. I have none of that. Like there is no discomfort under my ribs. So I think the long waist just maybe does truly make it a little easier on me. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Who would have thought? Uh, I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's great. Has your pregnancy with this one been any different than your other seven? Not really. I have very similar pregnancies. I get, I have certain things like I always have low iron. That's something that I have to deal with. I always have varicose veins. That's annoying. Mm. And then I always have the same first trimester where I just feel nauseated and tired, but not really extreme. Whereas like one of my sisters, she in half of her pregnancies is so sick, she can't get out of bed. And in the other half, she's totally fine. So there's this major divide. Mine are all very much the same. Wow. Well, that's nice. You know what to expect. And yeah. I know I'm curious because like... <laughs> I don't know, like, obviously this fifth one for me has been way better than my fourth, but then, which is nice because at first I felt like, oh, great. After my fourth, I felt like, okay, there's this steady decline after each baby. Mm -hmm. If we keep going, I'm going to completely <laughs> fall apart, you know? So it's encouraging for me, one, to have kind of a redemptive pregnancy this time, but then also to hear from you too, expecting number eight, like you feel like this one hasn't been like totally different, even though you're older than you were with your first few and your body's gone through this a lot of times and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that something doesn't throw me for a loop because I still have seven weeks left, so things could change. And I have also this idea in my mind because my kids have all came around the same time relatively to the due date. And then also my labors have really not been bad. So I have these things in my head. And then, so hopefully I'm not just like blindsided. <laughs> That's great. No, I'm sure you'll be fine. Okay. So we touched on this a little bit, but I still want to ask it. How are you preparing to add an eighth baby on top of all that you do? So I have, I told Katie whenever she was on my podcast that I have not done anything to prepare. And every time that I'm pregnant, especially the last three or four, I, I always have people asking me that question. And that's when I'm like, am I supposed to be doing something right now? So what I will do, which I haven't done yet, is I will get a pack of newborn diapers and I'll get birth supplies. That That's something I need to do, collect the little list of birth supplies and maybe a couple of newborn outfits. I did get a new baby wrap because that's very important. I like to have the lightweight wrap for in the very beginning. And they're so lightweight that I usually have a few holes by the time the next baby comes. So those are my big plans. Oh, another plan that I, none of this have I done yet, but the other thing that we need to do is just practically is we need to swap around some kids. So there's always that whole like, this kid needs to go in with this kid. This kid needs to go into the the, the room with the crib. And then now we have the, because our, our youngest is still in our room currently, but before July, <laughs> I need to probably do the swap room. Yeah. Kind of transition everyone to their new sleeping arrangements. And yes, yes. I always am very resistant to do that because, you know, when things are working and then you imagine like, what's it going to be like to put this kid in with this kid? Yeah. How many children's bedrooms do you have? Like, do you have a lot of kids sharing a room or kind of like two or three? It's actually not bad. So our house was marketed as a two bedroom house because it's old and there's no closets, but they had like a sitting room and a dining room. And so we've reclaimed a lot of these spaces because we don't need dining rooms and sitting rooms. So we technically have four 
kid bedrooms and an adult bedroom. So it's actually really plenty. Nice. Yeah. So you're able to split everyone up. That's not like a huge, a huge yeah, deal. Yeah. There's plenty of space. And I get people who are like, you're going to need a bigger house now. And I'm like, actually, it, we have beds that nobody even sleeps in because kids will fall asleep on the floor. And like, there's one bed that isn't even being used right now. So the the rooms, a few of the rooms are really large. So I mean, there's, there's really actually plenty of space. Yeah. It's kind of funny. The concept of obviously for safety reasons, like you do need a bigger car at certain points when you're expanding your family, but it's really funny how often people assume, especially here in America, Oh, you need a bigger house because you're having another baby. And it's like, I mean, we, I grew up with 11 kids in a three bedroom house. I've heard your, your story of how, yeah, small and yeah, you can. I mean, I have a friend who lives in a tiny house, like a legitimate tiny house, and they have 10 kids and I've been there and it's a, it's a tiny house and it's, it, they do make it work. Like they have it set up in a really perfect way to where the living space is really big. And then they have bunk beds, like literally like a room that has several bunk beds. So it, I mean, I'm really happy to have my 2,400 square foot house. I feel like it's massive. We came from a 1700 square foot house. So the thought that we need this bigger house and like this, this house is big. In my opinion, it's very ample and plenty. And my, you know, my oldest, she'll be 15 this year. So to have, we have all of these kids on deck who are approaching like teenagerhood. And so it's not like we're going to have, you know, I don't think like we're going to have eight teenagers. We're not going to, we're never going to have eight teenagers. There's a, a wide range of, of kids. And so some will be moving out at some point and then that's when the, the littler ones will get bigger. So it doesn't, I don't feel like there's this, we're sometime going to have like 10 adults living in this house. I, I don't think that's how it's going to be. Yeah. I just love though, how you mentioned like 2,400 square feet and like some people would be like, and she thinks that's big for eight kids. You know, it's just, I kinda... do. It is so big, but we're like, we talked about over on our, on your, or when you came on my podcast, very minimal in the possessions. And so it feels very like nothing feels very cluttered. There feels like a lot of space to spread out. We spend a ton of time outside. I mean, if as long as it's not under 20 degrees, which where we live, that's really not even that common. We spend time in the barn and in the garage and just we're, I don't feel like we're underfoot really. Like there's always children everywhere. It doesn't feel like that in this house. Hey everyone, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about our online music academy called VoteBergMusicAcademy.com. Katie and I actually started this online music academy seven years ago, and over that time we've been able to see thousands of students go through our courses and learn how to play the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, the piano, the ukulele, and bring music into their home. And we really curated these lessons so that you're able to learn with your child or you're able to learn by yourself and then bring music into your home and play with your kiddos. We even have it so that you can, you know, subscribe to one course and have three of your kids take the same course. So it's really cost effective and you're able to go at your own pace and bring music into your home. Go to VoperMusicAcademy.com and check this out. Okay, listen up. This is where it gets really good. If you enter the coupon code YouTube at checkout, you will get 10% off each month's payment. 
because it's a subscription. It's a reoccurring payment. So if you put that code in, then it's 10% off each month. So, I mean, that can really add up over time. So bring some music into your family's home. Go over to VoltbergMusicAcademy.com. I'll link it below. And you guys put in that coupon code and go learn how to play some piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, your choice. That's awesome. So as you are coming into the, basically you're having your baby in July and then you're coming into a new school year too. Mm, Like does any part of having a new baby like seem daunting to you going into the fall? I mean, I know there's a lot of harvesting that happens in the fall too, and it's a big time um, online and all that. Or do you feel like I'll handle that when I get there? Or do you feel like you've thought through all that stuff? I'm definitely a, I'll handle that when I get there. You're bringing up some good points. I hadn't really thought about, but usually for me, well, I'm okay with letting certain things go. Like the garden is not going to be the best year ever. My husband is randomly extra interested in it this year where he hasn't been in the past. And so we actually have a large garden planted. I really wasn't even planning on planting all the beds this year because I know that we never had a July baby. So this is brand new for me. Um, my fourth was born in late August and that's the closest thing to like, it was already basically moving into the fall. And then all of the other kids were born in the fall and winter. And so this is, I am sort of thinking about that, like with the garden, but then as far as the other stuff, I mean, I know this is always like hard, harder for new moms to hear, but like the baby's the least of my concerns <laughs> whenever it comes to all the other stuff. I'm like, eh. If I was going to have to cut back on stuff, I'll have to do it regardless of the baby. Yes. No. And that totally makes sense. I mean, you've done it so many times at this point and newborns are very low maintenance once you know what to expect. I think Mm -hmm. it's the lack of accurate expectations and the lack of history, like knowing what to do that makes a newborn so stressful. Once you know, it's, it's really easy for the most part, unless you get like a really you know, stressful newborn, which, well, yeah, that that does happen. I've never really had a newborn that like wouldn't latch on, or there's a lot of difficulties that can happen that I haven't experienced. And that would be a whole different ball game. So, so far I've had very straightforward newborns where if you put them in the wrap, you sleep with them in your bed, they, which I know you do sort of different stuff, but like there, that's what's very easy for me. Where it starts to become harder is more around when I have to start to figure out the schedule. That's when I start getting a little bit more worried. So we're not really like through the fall, it should all be fairly easy until I'm trying to figure some of that stuff out. And that's where there'll be some sleep deprivation and all of that. And we'll just assess that. Then. <laughs> yeah, you've got enough going on. I don't need to add anything more to your plate. No, I do love though. Um, I always love having you on because I think that obviously we do things different when it comes to like the newborn stage with I'm scheduled, you're, you have your uh, form of doing it. That's like looser, but I feel like it just works for both of us. And I think that that is like the best representation of like what motherhood should be. It's like, do what works. There's not like a Mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is how you mother a, a newborn. It's like, you're going to, different people are going to thrive different ways. So just pick what works for you. That'd be like my advice for a new mom and just go with it. And if someone says you have Mm -hmm. to do it this way, it's just like, well, it doesn't work for me. I'm not doing it that way. You know, you just get through the newborn stage, however you best get through it. And your baby is going to be great regardless of what you do. 
yeah. if you love and it I think and feed it. You and I both as like content creators, we get, you do get so much input from commenters that you learn, you learn this like, okay, everybody has very strong opinions. And no matter how many times you tell me that lady, I disagree. And so you're right. Like you figure out what works for you and then you just put on your, you know, you just like, don't listen. And not that there's not advice to be learned, but you just, you find out what works for you. And that's what makes an eighth baby or a fifth baby so much easier than a first. Cause mine was, my first was not easy. And looking back, it had nothing to do with her. She was just like all the other babies. She wasn't special in her needs or anything. However, it was so difficult for me because I hadn't figured out that, like I hadn't, I didn't have my stride yet. I didn't have confidence in this is how you do things. I thought we probably were ruining her if we weren't doing it this certain way. And now I know there's, you just cannot mess it up. Like you can do it however, and you can fix those habits later and it's no problem. Yes, absolutely. It's really more like, I think we listen to the opinions. I think there's a lot of fear mongering. So people listen to the opinions, like how I don't want to mess up my baby, but that's really not it. Why you would want to try different things out is to be like, what works for you as the mom and what's mm -hmm. works for your schedule. As soon as it works for you and your schedule, just put on the things, you, you know, put yeah, on your, exactly, your yeah. air bus, <laughs> be like, I've got it. It works for me. I'm good because the baby's really going to be great either way. And people love to make you feel like you're going to mess Messing up your up. child. And it's just yeah. not true. Yeah. Okay. So summer routines, do you have, do you guys school through the summer? Do you have summer routines? Is it just kind of like a free for all? Uh, we always have big and good intentions and then slowly, like we never have this, we're going to be done with school on May 31st kind of thing. We just as like, okay, it's time to start planting the garden and, oh, it's so nice outside. Let's go do this. We just always drop things. And the next thing you know, it's like, I guess we're done with school, you know? So we are done with school uh, for the year. We, it's, we have routines, but in a not near as structured as school time kind of way. Um, we like, we do a lot. Like as soon as we get off these interviews, I'm going to take the kids up to the pool I like to, I really love summer. Summer is my favorite season, even though I'm sweating in here right now. <laughs> and so I try to recognize it for the very short season that it is and just do all the things. We're going to the pool tomorrow. We'll probably pack a picnic. And I always end up regretting my summer if I don't do all of that kind of stuff. So it's sentimental for me, I feel like. Yeah, it's just time to get out and enjoy the weather and yeah. do what you can to be out in it. Yes. I love that. So that's kind of like a main objective in the summer is like, okay, let's just enjoy this, get outside, do the fun things. Yeah. And I even feel good if like other people in my family do stuff like that even feels good to me. So I will have Luke take some of the kids, like usually it's the oldest four on the river for a canoe trip. Uh, they do that quite often in the summer. In fact, I really think that we need to get one on the books because there's not one, like they've already done it once, but they need to do it again next week. And they need to do it a lot because summer's really short. And yeah. I, I love that. A canoe trip. That yeah, is that's so something cool. We do in Missouri. We call it float trips here. Um, but yeah, I don't know if other, uh, some States do it, but anyways, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's on the summer bucket list that needs to happen a lot. 
That's awesome. That's like camping for us. The kids, we went one time last year and then with the baby coming, I was like, okay, well, we got to go in June because I don't really yeah. want to go camping with the newborn. Now, do you do so, tent camping? Yeah, tent camping. I gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> we grew up camping and then after a certain number of kids, we were like, we shall never camp again. I just, yeah. we didn't it, do it much in my family either with that I remember with all the kids. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's okay with everybody over age. I'm going to say four ish, but anybody under that age, it's no fun with, that's just my opinion, but <laughs> I need to send Luke and the older kids on that. Yeah, exactly. Get them out camping. Uh, yeah. The kids are definitely driving that. Do you guys have kind of like uh, do you keep some kind of morning routine or chore routine or nighttime routine? Yeah, throughout we the summer, do just we we do have a dairy cow, and so because of that, it really does structure our day around chores. So in the morning, we usually we milk around eight a.m. and eight p.m. So usually we are all out by eight a.m. Certain kids do other chores. Luke and I milk the cow, so that does get us sort of on a routine because we have to get out to do that. And then we try to have bedtime done before the night milking, which also puts us a bit on a routine. We can't stay out somewhere till nine o'clock because we have those structured portions of the day. But then we have a few things like my son is in baseball. So he has a couple games each week and that changes stuff a bit, but we do, we do sort of have routines that center around farm chores. Yeah, that makes sense. Someone asked if you had a chore chart and that kind of made me smile because I don't picture you as having a chore chart, but maybe no, you do. No, no, <laughs> I, I do not. Um, those kind of things are so overwhelming to me. All of that. And, and for certain people, they can't imagine. And I hear moms will be like, oh, what you have to do. This is another one of those things. You get these sticks and you write the chores on the stick. Then you put the thingy on the wall and then you tell the children they pick out this if they do this. And I'm like, see, you lost me like five steps ago. We This is so far from the way that I do things. And I think for some people it works great, but no, there will be no chore charts. Yeah. Like I literally kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, I just picture this like sticker chart in your farmhouse kitchen where the kids are like putting a sticker on when they get their chore done. But, it's not um, so hard to me, like so overwhelming. I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, it does. Whenever it comes to charts and kids, like I do a lot of planning for myself. I like my own spreadsheets and random stuff like that. Yes, yes. But chore charts to me, it's like something else. It's like a to-do list item. Like I have to follow through on it. So we do it like three days and then I just, I don't want to have to keep up with it anymore. Yeah. So. Yes. It always, cause I tried some of that earlier in my motherhood because that's what we're supposed to do. This is what was working for certain people. And it was very difficult for me to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, okay. So I would love to hear from you any tips to prevent the frustration and overwhelm that comes from having this perfectionistic mindset in parenting and in homemaking. I think that's a question that someone asked. And I think that you do a very good job not being perfectionistic, at least in everything I see. You have this like get it done 
mindset. Um, but have you ever struggled with perfectionism at all, or has that just not been your struggle? Yes. So I will say that earlier in motherhood, I spent so many nights and I'm sure maybe younger moms mostly can relate to this where you lay down in bed and then you think through all the things that happened that day and you beat yourself up because it didn't go how you wanted it to. I think it helps to have older kids. So now that my oldest is 14 and a half, 14 and a half, um, and then, you know, I have them every other year going on down. <laughs> you have some proof that even when you don't do things perfectly, because nothing that I've done has been perfect over ever, that it still turns out okay. You, you, we spend a ton of time with our kids. My husband and I were, were with the kids all the time. One of us is. And so, yes, things are, are done imperfectly, but yet we're trying our best. And I think that that ends up weighing out a lot of things like they see that we care for them we love them we're trying we don't do things perfectly and yeah I'm not going to say that like there's not moments where I still have those types of feelings like oh no we're messing this up and then you worry about it but it, it does happen less and less when you have kids on the other end of like I used to hear when I when my kids were younger if you can't if you can't control them when they're two you can't control them when they're 14 or whatever age they might have picked. And it's very hard to control a kid at age two. <laughs> and I mean, you can you can try and you definitely should. You should definitely follow through and all that kind of stuff. But even imperfectly, I feel like I have some very nice, respectful young people. And so I'm like, well, I guess you don't have to do it perfectly. Yeah, no, I love that. It's not like you have to hit these parent like it's oh well if you've not hit this mile mark then you've messed up on that child and they're just a lost cause like relationship can be regained at any point in a parenting relationship the child can mature at any point along their life and it's just it's not like a I, I, yeah, again, that's just like another fear-based concept because you have a really tough two-year-old that's a really yes. great teenager. Yes. And that's another thing I've learned having seven kids is just how different these kids are. And you you will see, I mean, well, maybe some would never get like a trying or a challenging child, but there are some kids that are, no matter what you do, just more challenging individuals, you know? And so you think like it, it, when you have a little baby, you feel like you can, you have complete control over molding them into exactly what you want. And that's a very huge responsibility. If you truly believe that, like at what I do is how you're going to turn out. And then you notice just how much personality they have that they contribute to it, that you can do everything you want. And they're going to end up still different than all the rest of your kids, even though they all grew up in the exact same house or in, in my sister's case, we, we love to compare because we spend so much time together and just the genetic differences because of who her husband is and who mine is and how different we are. It's just, you start to realize that like you only have so much control over how this whole thing works out. And when you think you have all the control it's really scary because you can literally make or break this child. Yeah, that is good. That's really good to hear. And 
to keep telling. <laughs> I feel like that's important because I think that we could put so much pressure on ourselves and also put so much pressure on our kids. And that's just like not going to be the healthiest environment for them or for us when we're both like totally fearful of what's going to happen and trying to control the situation. Like you said, there's just so many variables. We're just like called to be faithful to teach our children. And then the rest is up to the Lord yeah. and how yes, he designed exactly. that individual. Right. Exactly. And obviously I'm not saying like, well, just, you know, let them go because there's nothing you can do. Obviously like we homeschool, we invest a lot in our children. So I'm not in any way saying that, but I have found comfort in that there is only so much I can do. It's just been very obvious as my kids have aged that there's just there's only my part. And then there's, yeah, like there's only so much I can control. Yeah. It's really funny. Cause I was one of those harder kids for my parents. I think they had three of us. We all know who we are. Okay. There's, <laughs> and, yeah. Well, when you have 11 kids, there's going to be, uh, there's gotta be one or two. And if you feel like you need to be humble, just have another child. Because if I would have stopped at a certain number, I would have been like, I am awesome. <laughs> this is so easy. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Lord just like throws you a curveball. And like you said, it's humbling. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that totally happens with kids. But that's the thing. I feel like my parents were concerned when I was a toddler. Like well, what you were is... the first, right? So yeah, they were probably Ex really concerned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you have like a, a kid that is fighting you on everything and you're the first, that's yes, just taking that's a harder. lot of energy and effort. And then as a teenager, they were so concerned about me as a young adult, they were so concerned. And then I like got married and now I'm like, they just think it all worked out. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, they're just like, wow, we just love you and Elisha so much and all your kids and everything. And it's like it, you know, the Lord's faithful, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do feel bad for all that I put them through. Um, okay. So how do you stay motivated in times when you're depleted? So pregnancy, maybe that early postpartum stage where you're feeling more nauseous, you always have a lot going on. Um, or maybe, you know, just like when you're just feeling wiped out, how do you stay motivated and keep going? Yeah, well, I definitely will decrease certain things. Like in my first trimester, you know, I wasn't launching any new products or writing a book and you know there were just I mostly what happens with me in those types of seasons is more than feeling physically exhausted I just feel well like you said like the lack of motivation right at this stage of my life I'm in some pretty I have pretty strong habits of getting certain things done just because they're just very automatic and so there's not that there's that inertia that you have to like build momentum back up from. And I don't feel like I really end up having that. I just decrease certain things during certain times. Um, yeah. So how to stay motivated. I create lists for myself. I always have things I need to accomplish and, you know, need to like, do I really have to every day? Well, in my head, yes, I have to get them accomplished. And so I have I do have a habit of having a list for every single day, no matter what, except for Sunday. And I don't ever just let myself off the hook to not accomplish it. I mean, and truly, I, I don't. I just, there might be less things on it during those times, but I am in the habit of, of accomplishing what's on the list. Now, that's not to say there aren't a few things each day, if I've made the list too long, they get pushed to the next, but they do eventually get done because they're 
I'm pretty serious about that, about my list. Yeah. You have that internal motivation, you know, it needs to get done and you keep yourself accountable to those things. Yeah. And it is easier to like, okay, so I, I run a business from home. That's how our family, you know, my husband and I both, this is what we do. And it's easier to stay motivated for something, whatever it works. So like for me to have on my list, shoot these clips for this video, that was a much harder thing to push through whenever I was building things because it might've got five views. And so how do you convince yourself when you're in your first trimester of pregnancy to shoot a video for something that's going to get five views? You'll, you would have had to talk to me like five years ago. Cause I don't remember how I got past that, but it's, it is easy now because it's like, well, I already know it's going to work. And so there, there is something with that, but I know at some point I, I did this when that wasn't the case, but I don't really I was younger back then. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like, I know I was trying to think back to that too. I think there is this motivation that almost comes from like, you see what other people are doing maybe, or like, if I don't do this, then I don't get to where I want to be. Like, at least when I was starting YouTube and there was like, at the time, it was like, you have to post three times a week or whatever. And that's what everyone was saying. You have to post three times a week a video. And so I think in my mind, I was like, well, I want what these people have. And if I don't post my third video this week, then I'm never going to get there. And I know I don't want to be here forever. So like, I will do the video, like regardless of how many views, like you're kind of trusting someone else for their confidence in a system that works before you have a system that works. Very, very true. And I've always said with something like that, you have to actually believe it's going to work. And I don't think there's any lying to yourself. Like, yeah, I believe it. Like you have to actually believe it's going to work. And I think I did always believe that. And so even when there wasn't proof, like you said, I, had seen people go before me and I'm like, okay, well, there you go. There's the proof. And then I also, I've always been motivated by seeing any progress, any improvement. So as long as things were growing a little bit, I was pretty excited about it. And anytime I'm excited about something, I can keep doing it. Things that I'm not like, I have tons of things I put off tons of things that I really think I want to do. And then I'll, I'll lie and say that like time is the problem. It's not, I just don't want to do it. And so I guess, I guess with that, like, how do I stay motivated? I do always have something I'm very excited about. And when you're excited about something, it doesn't really matter how fatigued you are because you just, you want to do it. And I have a lot of things in my life like that, that aren't hard because I'm so excited about them. Yeah, actually, we talked about this a little bit on our podcast because my husband had that realization where he was like, you realize people talk about parenting little kids. It's like, it's the most fatiguing time of your life. You're going to be so exhausted and all these things, but it's not necessarily true. It's just like we focus on that because maybe we aren't excited about it or we don't get why it should be taking all of our energy. Whereas like you talk to a college student that's like stoked about their degree and their friends and everything they've got going on and they're exhausted, but that's not the first thing they tell you. They tell you what they're excited about or like the young entrepreneur that's doing a startup or whatever the case may be. It's like when you're excited about something, yeah, you, you don't just talk about how tired you are all the time. You're tired, but you're just excited about the thing, you know? Yeah. 
And you might not even notice that you're tired because I have people tell me that like, you look so tired. I'm like, if I am, I didn't notice. Like, I guess I have just stuff that I'm really into doing because I don't feel tired. Maybe I am, but <laughs> I, am, I don't know it. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. We, sometimes we have that adrenaline too. And that just like, I don't know, desire to keep going, which is great. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good. And that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I do want to kind of hear, do you have homemaking systems that you could like pinpoint? I know you have a lot of flows. You have a lot of things that you just like naturally do. And they're so second nature to you. You probably don't even like put a name on them, but if you could mention like two or three home management systems that keep your home running smoothly, uh, what would those be? Okay. I think the first one is laundry every day. I know a lot of people have the weekly laundry system and I feel not, not overwhelmed by laundry. And I think that's because we just do laundry all the time. And also I'm not super particular about it. So I'm not super particular about sorting. Like if there's something that's like black and it'll get towel fuzz, that's about the extent of the sorting that we'll do, or if you have new jeans or whatever. So throwing in about two loads of laundry a day, making sure that you're just, you know, revisiting washer, dryer into the, we have a couple sorting baskets and it's very streamlined process. It also really helps that our laundry is on the main floor and it's kind of where we all live. So that makes it really easy to constantly visit laundry. And I think that helps to not get overwhelmed with that. And then also just cleaning uh, constantly. So like in the kitchen, I never go from like, I might make like two or three sourdough things in a row in the same mixer, but then like in between that. And then if it's time to make lunch, I like to get everything clean and wipe the surfaces down and just make it to where things don't ever get to an overwhelming point. So like if my, one of my kids loves to cook, she's not as good at this yet. And so that's something that I'm constantly like, okay, we have to clean in between. Like if we don't want this stressful in here, uh, we have to constantly keep this kitchen clean. And then I don't know. I don't really, I don't like to leave jobs unfinished. So I don't, I don't go to bed with a messy kitchen or like I I'll go to bed with, you know, pillows on the floor and things like that. That's no problem. But I do like to at least have my workspaces very clean. And then an overall habit is just keeping things really minimal to the point where it's not hard to get them cleaned up. I've gotten my home very streamlined. I think it happened when we moved here. I majorly decluttered the other house. We didn't have to move. And then ever since then, I've just kept things very decluttered, just constantly decluttered so that it never gets too overwhelming of a mess. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this over on your podcast, just like that decluttering thing and not letting your home even be capable of getting that yeah. dirty. Um, I think of that even when you talk about dishes and dishes in the kitchen and stuff like that. I have, now I'm not as um, gourmet of a cook as you are. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> I don't know about the word. <laughs> but you, you do all the things. But for myself, I find that, okay, I just have something that helps me clean as I go 
is I only have like one stew pot. I only have one saucepan. You know, I only have one muffin tin or like kind of just one of everything really. And so it's like if I'm doing a big meal prep day or if I'm going to cook something else, I have to wash that pot out to be able to put something else in. And it keeps the dishes from getting like overwhelmingly full because Mm -hmm. I've got to use that. So it kind of forces that um, kind of clean as you go thing which has been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. When it gets too overwhelming in there, it's, it's really impossible to want to cook the next meal if your home feel, or if your kitchen feels gross. And like, I have a lot of helpers, my, my husband and I, we both jump into the dishes, my kids do the dishes. But one thing I notice is that if I'm for some reason out of the house, say I'm like out to dinner with friends, which does not happen hardly ever. But if it did, I've noticed that I like, they'll, they will get like all the dishes done and, you know, like they'll, they'll get all the dishes done. But then I like to every single meal, wipe off the counters, wipe the front of the cabinets. Like, have you ever had that happen where you walk in and it still just doesn't feel clean? I am really particular. Like it always needs a mom wipe. And I know I could train them to do all that and everything, but that's one thing I noticed. I'm like, yeah, the dishes are done, but like, we need to get this place not so grimy. <laughs> yeah, no, as you're talking, I'm like, I need to do that with my cabinets because I do the main surfaces, but my cabinets gross me out. And I don't yeah. think I clean them. I don't do it often enough. And so stuff sticks on there. Right. And I think, oh, I'll just go wipe it off. And then it's like, okay, that's like that's really stuck job. on. And now I'm just like unmotivated and go do something else. So yeah. it's good to hear from you on that. It's like, okay, consider it like another surface. Cause I obviously yeah. wipe down my counters all the time. I just need to keep up on the cabinets. Yeah. It just, I like working in my kitchen. I do not feel good about it when it's dirty. So, I mean, I'm not saying like, I don't like get out the vinegar and like really clean it all the time or anything like that, Yeah, but I do just wipe down all the surfaces, keep the surfaces very decluttered, put things back in the pantry, like the blender base and those, you know, the instant pot, those things that you're, if you're not using it, I put it back in the pantry. I wipe the spot and I just try to keep it very clean so that I'm always motivated to go in there and cook something. And another thing, like, I think people think is so crazy, but we don't have a dishwasher. And I really, I feel that it's easier to not have a dishwasher. I know it's so controversial and people are like, you're crazy. Like, but it really is because we just, we're not super particular about our dishes. And I think the reason is because we cook so much that it's not like that's going to get put in the cabinet and not used for another week. Like it's just going to get used again in two seconds. So we just are constantly like wiping the dishes and then reusing them. And when we had a dishwasher, it felt like, well, I'd put them in there dirty and then if we didn't run it then, and then I'm, I'm already on to the next meal and then I need the tool and then I have to open it and just, I don't know. I felt like things were dirtier and nothing was ever done when I did it. I'm not, not saying like someday I might not, I might find a need for the, for a dishwasher, but right now I feel like it's easier just to stay like more on top of stuff. Wow. Okay. That is super cool because I do relate with you on feeling like, okay, especially cause I do have such few items, if I'm not like immediately running the dishwasher after I fill it, then I have to go back and I'm grabbing the knife out of there and I'm rinsing it off anyways, because it was dirty in the dishwasher. It's easier to rinse it off whenever you just used it. And I, I wear an apron all day, every day, and I will cut the avocado, wipe it, go into this, put it back on the, and I know people like, ah, 
that's disgusting. Oh no, that's we me. don't get sick from it. Like I've been doing homemaking this way for a long time, and there haven't been any consequences. So, like if I cut the avocado instead of taking that and like putting it in the dishwasher, letting it run, putting it away, I just will cut the avocado, wipe my apron, put it back on the little knife block thing, and then or the magnet, and then I wear an apron all day. I really do, not just for my videos. And then I wash my apron at night. So it's always like a brand new tea towel that I'm wearing all day. But it's just a constant working kitchen. It's never like, I don't know. It's never like I'm ever putting it on pause long enough to run a dishwasher, which is why it hasn't been something very convenient for me. I will say for a while there, we were getting like five gallons of milk a day. And then we we dried off one of the cows and the amount of jars. I was like, okay, that's that is where I would love dishwasher would be for those jars. I love this. I'm like so inspired right now. Okay, so real quick, where do you sew all your aprons or no, do you buy um, them some places? I, I, I would love to, but <laughs> just, you know, I don't. Okay, because I love your aprons. I think they're so cute. And then I go to purchase an apron and all I can find is the really like boxy, like chef aprons, you know? Okay, yeah, I like the ones that are very soft. Like they're like yeah. the flower sack material. And yeah, like, I think people think I wear an apron just to be like cutesy homemaker. And I'm like, actually, I wear an apron all the time. Like, I literally have an apron on the floor here because I had to take, I'm like, oh, good jumping on the interview. Um, I just truly enjoy wearing one because I'm just always, I'm, I, I love working in my kitchen. I really do. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy trying new things, experimenting with recipes. And then obviously my business relies on that too. And so that, that makes it easier to stay motivated to be in the kitchen. But yeah, having an apron is something very useful. I love that. Okay. Well, I need to get a link to where you get your aprons or something. <laughs> I've looked underneath your videos for apron links. I need to put that down there, don't I? <laughs> yeah, put it down in your next one because I, I do need an apron and that makes so much sense. Be, just having the towel always on you because I'm always like grabbing for a dish towel and it's so annoying. Okay, one more question yeah. about the dishes though. Do you have a like drying rack on your counter? Is that where you, do you like rent, set it there and then you'll take it out of the drying rack and go do your thing? Yeah, so we have a an old sink with a drain board and so that's where the drying rack sits usually there's a couple kids in there with me and we'll oftentimes dry and put away if there's too many dishes and sometimes we'll just let them drip dry and then instantly reuse them again so it just depends on like how many dishes we had if we're going to put them away usually at the end of the night if it's a dinner I'll always have a couple of kids drying and putting away so it's just it's just a process I just feel like I like better just getting it done and not having like gross dishes sitting there waiting for me that's just my my preference. Yeah, no, I really like that. I'm going to um, really consider how I could do that in my home. And I love also how you mentioned going to bed. There's obviously like having a perfectly clean house before we go to bed is very hard to achieve and I don't do the whole house, but having like your main space is clean. So you aren't waking up the next day to stuff that's undone the day before. I yes. think like, I think yeah. that's something that happens a lot in homemaking is like, it never ends. So instead of just like, oh, I get to wake up, my house is beautiful, it's a reset. We kind of have that with our weeks on Fridays, um, doing the bathrooms and the, you know, the deep cleaning all really only happens one day and then I get to enjoy it for the weekend and yeah. it's all reset. But like sometimes we have to put those deadlines in our lives because it's not like they're gonna put themselves there. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's just 
for me at this point, it's just a, a habit that I, I enjoy doing. I don't like going to sit down whenever there's still a mess in the kitchen. I just prefer for it to be cleaned up. Now, if there's something like we have some kind of event and we're out till nine o'clock or something, which wouldn't happen much, but if it did, I'm okay just pushing off the work till the morning. I just mean in my normal flow, we keep up on stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Lisa. I'm gonna go ahead and end this interview because, well, my kids are back. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> and you've gotta to go to the pool and yes, we've got stuff to do. <laughs> but thank you so much for jumping on this interview. I really enjoyed the luxury of being able to talk with you for almost two hours and glean from you. So thank you so much. And for those who are watching this interview, there is another interview over on Lisa's podcast that we will eventually link down below, depending on when we post these yeah. two separate interviews. But can you tell us real quick where people can find you? Yes. So if you love podcasts, um, I have the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. It's here on YouTube or depending on where you're watching YouTube, Spotify, all those different places. And then my main way that I share content is with my YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone and my blog, farmhouseonboone.com. Awesome. So we will have all those things linked down in the description box. And thank you again so much for jumping on with me today. All right. Thank you. Thank you.